0: continuing in this series, Walk This Way. My name is Cameron, and uh, I like to cook. Do you like to cook? A few of you? Some of you? Yes? Oh, mixed answers. Well, hey, I, I, I love to cook, but if you're like me, I like to do a lot of ingredients, a lot, and I I quickly find myself, I've been overwhelmed because I'm trying to do too much while I'm cooking. And then I have three kids. So while I'm sauteing the vegetables over here, I get a question and I get distracted and I start, you know, helping my kids and then there's flames in the kitchen and I have to run back and I have to put out the flames and then I'm like, oh no, I burnt the bread, you know, and it's just, it's craziness. Well, so yesterday... I tried something new. I smoked some chicken on a smoker, and I timed it. So right at halftime of the KU Jayhawks (laughs) winning the game, Uh, yes, Rock Chalk Jayhawk, (laughs) I pulled the chicken out of the smoker, and I would show you a picture of it, but my pictures of food never look as good as what the Instagram pictures do, are you the same way? Yeah, yeah, so it never looks good. But, my life has changed, it's forever changed, because I didn't have any distractions, I just went out a couple timeouts, checked the meat, all looks good, and done. So now, from now on, I'm gonna smoke barbecue every day, I told my wife, every day. (laughs) No, when I'm cooking, I tend to overestimate my ability to deliver a well-cooked, delicious meal. And I tend to underestimate the things that get in the way. The meat getting too hot, the distractions, the kids, the flames, all of it. And uh, I think a lot of us share this experience, not just with cooking, but all sorts of things. We tend to overestimate our ability to get where we want to go. And we underestimate the things that might get in the way of us accomplishing that goal. Does that make sense? Jesus is saying that very thing. And we're going to be uh, chapter 6, Matthew chapter 6, if you have your Bibles. If you have a journal, uh, we're going to be on page 72. If you don't have a journal, you can pick one up in the back. Rick would be happy to grab one for you. And uh, these journals are great. We, we created these for you as a way to get into Scripture and for you to kind of wrestle through what we're talking about on Sundays throughout the week. Page 72, Matthew chapter 6. Now, as I read this, we tend to, there's a, there's a lot of one-liners in here. and we, try, we tend to parse these out and listen to the one-liners, but I want us to just take a second. I'm going to read this just like Jesus would have been speaking, so you can read along, or you can just listen. Just listen, just like the people would have been listening to Jesus. And there's one kind of overarching theme or thought here. And so I just want you to pay attention to what you think that is. Verse 19. Don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Where your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. Your eye is like a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is unhealthy, oh, your body is filled with darkness. And if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. Now, think about that for a second. He's saying, the light, if you think that darkness is light and light is darkness, oh, you... That you're in for a rude awakening in your life. And so many people in our world, they get mixed up. They get turned around. What is darkness? What is light? He says, no one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. He actually says, Mammon there, the God of money, which the people listening would have been familiar with that, that you can't have be a slave to God and a slave to Mammon. You have to choose one. And why worry about your clothing? Did anybody worry about their clothing this morning? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work. They don't make their own clothing. Yet even Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for the wildflowers that are here today, and thrown into the fire tomorrow. We hope not, right, Sheldon? We hope that there's not wildfires here tomorrow, but he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things, saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts and the minds of unbelievers, but your heavenly Father already knows your needs. Seek The kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. Wow. Amen. That is a powerful passage. And did you pick up on what he's talking about here? Priorities. Priorities. What do we put at the center place in our life? Because there's all sorts of things that can get in the way of us pursuing this life that Jesus is talking about. Now, we're in the Sermon on the Mount. If you remember, I'll just refresh your memory a little bit. First week, we talked about... God's design is for us all to be salt and light in the world, to be a blessing, to be blessed, and to be a blessing to other people. And we do this by seeking peace and reconciliation. We do this by being people who are devoted to living with pure hearts. We do this by cultivating a relationship with our Father through prayer and seeking His will in the kingdom. But there's all sorts of things that are going to get in the way. And here's basically how I describe these things. What is preventing me or keeping me from living the life Jesus wants for me? Number one is distractions. Number two is divided loyalties. And number three is worry. That's kind of what this passage is walking through. And uh, there's this great quote by Corey ten Boom. And I've used this several times, and it just, every time I, I read it, hear it, I'm like, oh, that is so true. She says, If the devil cannot make us sin, he will make you busy. He will distract you and distract you. The enemy uses all three of these things, distractions and divide, di- divided loyalties and worry again and again and again and again and again. Whatever you're trying to get to, you're going to underestimate what's going to prevent you from getting there. You see, not many of us are worrying too much about having clothes today. We're fortunate enough. We don't have to worry about that. You can, Open up your closet and there's clothes there. We don't have to worry about food very often, although we do worry about it, not because we need it. We worry about entertaining and making sure it tastes good. You see, Jesus is talking here more about our attention. What do you give your attention to? What demands your attention? You see, it's possible for anybody to get terribly disordered in their pursuit of Jesus. All of us. It's also possible for all of us to get big butts. That's a lot of questions. Big butts. I'm going to get in trouble for saying that later. I know Matt is going to be like, what are you saying? I love you, God, but this is really important. I love you, God, but I'm working hard to make a financial plan so I can retire early. I love you, God, but... This KU game is on right now, and I just can't stop and leave the TV to go be with my family. I love you, God, but my house, my car, my financial plans, my time, these are all very, very important to me, and they demand a lot of my attention and a lot of my time. And Jesus is saying, be careful. Be careful about what you put. As the basis of your attention. He says this. remind you what we just read. He says, seek the kingdom of God above all else. And live righteously. And he will give you everything you need. And that's a promise. God will give you everything you need. If you seek him first. And now, he's not talking about not living ambitiously. He's telling us to live ambitiously, just make sure your ambitions are on the right things. Seek, seek with all of your heart, all of your mind, all of your soul, be devoted, seek, seek after the kingdom, and all these things will be given to you as well. If your ambition is with God, he's still going to care for you and love you and walk with you and provide when you need provided for. It, and he's saying, test me. Just watch, test me. Seek after me and I'll give you everything you need. Another way to describe this is what St. Augustine used as this description of disordered loves. Disordered loves. Disordered loves is when we love less important things, more, and more important things, less, less than we ought to. We're all guilty of this. We love with our heart. See, we're not just thinking beings, we're heart beings. And that's why rationally, we can say, oh, I love God. I'm gonna check the box. I'm a Christian. I follow Jesus. But most often, if you start to look at your heart, you'll start to see that there's a whole lot of other things that are there. And they're not bad things, they're, they're good things, we'll talk more about it in a second. They're good things, but they get disordered. Here's a couple of examples. There's nothing wrong with loving your work and loving what you do. But if you love it more than your family, then your loves are out of order. You're gonna hurt your family, spend way too much time devoted to your career, and you're gonna probably end up with really fractured relationships. If you love making money more than justice, then you'll treat your employees and your customers as a means to an end. And you will create injustice in the world for the people that you should be caring the most about. If you love sex more than you love God, You'll pursue it at the wrong time, with the wrong people, and in the wrong way. If you love your kids more than you love God, then you'll probably have trouble getting your kids to follow and be realistic about faith. They may not buy into your faith, and you'll end up smothering them (laughs) with things that don't actually help them in the long term. And, and it goes on and on. Everything. These are good things. These are things that we should cultivate in our lives and care about, but they're just misordered. There's a lot of bad things that we misorder as well, but there are also a lot of good things. Sky Jathani, uh, we've been showing some, some pictures of um, Sky Jathani's book, and um, he talks about what's called the, the wheel of ultimate concern. Will of ultimate concern. What is your ultimate concern? And you just spin the wheel. And that defines my identity. That's where I find my purpose. That's where I place my hope. Who's your God? And sometimes it is Jesus. Sundays, it's easy. What about Mondays? What about Wednesday nights? What about Friday nights? Spin the wheel of ultimate concern. Then he has this quote. I actually have it on the next slide too. An idol, Tim Keller says, an idol is usually a good thing that we make ultimate. It's a good thing that just and it's and it's we just get distracted for a second, (laughs) or our heart starts to get divided. For just a moment, and this is what Jesus says in Matthew 6, 24, in that passage we read at the beginning. No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and be enslaved to money. Now, money is especially, it has throughout history, and it is in our culture, probably one of the number one temptations for us to replace with God. Because there's a lot of things that money can get you. There's a lot of good that can come from money. And there's a lot of people out there worshiping the same thing and fighting for the same resources. And if you don't get yours, you may get taken advantage of. And money can provide all sorts of awesome things in your life. However, money cannot provide for you salvation. It cannot provide for you freedom. It should not be of ultimate concern. But money is good, and we should use our money. And Jesus is talking about using our money for kingdom things. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be. What is your ultimate concern? James K.A. Smith has this book called You Are What You Love. I love that title. You are what you love. Talking about this very thing, these disordered loves. And he says this, discipleship, we might say, is a way to curate your heart and be attentive to and intentional about what you love. What do you love? Now, this is a point, you know, like, a lot of you are starting to check out a little bit because you're like, hey, you know, like, oh, I got, I got, I m- got, Money. I need, I need to have money. I need to make money. I have a mortgage. I have, Jesus isn't saying not to make money. That's not what he's saying. He's saying just make sure when you make your money, you are putting him first and money second. And sometimes we need to ask our friends and our family, how, how do we do that? Like, help me with this. What does this look like for me to honor the kingdom, with my treasure. And if you fall in love with Jesus, if you fall in love with the kingdom, if you put him first, you still go to work and you make money, but you do it in a responsible, respectful, loving way, and your money does not become the most important thing in the world to you. It's still important. You can still do a lot of great things with money. It just doesn't become the most important. A good way to describe this is a compass. Okay? Does anybody have a compass anymore? few people, boy scouts, girl scouts. <laughs> on the phone. Yeah. Hey. On. Oh, they got the app. It's great. A compass. Now, a compass does not tell you where you are. Does it? It tells you where you need to go. And sometimes when you're using a compass, you may find yourself in a valley or on a mountaintop and you think, "Oh, you know, I I think I know where I'm going to go. But then you look and you start to doubt, like, maybe this isn't the right spot. Maybe there's another way around. Or sometimes what happens if you were on an adventure, you start looking at other people and where they're at. You see somebody on the mountaintop and you say, oh, that looks like they're ahead of me in the journey. And that's a temptation to compare where we are with where other people are. Jesus actually goes on after this this passage that we read here, he goes on to talk about comparison and judgment as another thing that can get in the way of what we are pursuing with the kingdom. And he says, don't compare where somebody else is because it may look like they're on the mountaintop following the directions of, of the compass, but they may actually have the wrong thing that they're following. They may actually be heading south instead of north. They may be heading northwest instead of northeast Jesus says, follow me. Let your compass point toward me. And then no matter where you are on the journey, you can know that you're pursuing the right things. Work is a difficult example for me because I work at a church, so it's easy for me to sometimes confuse my work with kingdom work. And sometimes my family, my friends, they become secondary to work. It's very hard because it's like I work in a church. So, I, you know, I, obviously I'm doing Jesus' work at the church. But sometimes work begins to take the place of Jesus, if I'm honest. I begin to put a little bit too much trust in my abilities, I begin to put a little bit too much trust in what I need to get done. And it begins to just, it's a good thing, but it gets just a little bit disordered. And because my work benefits a lot of people, benefits a lot of you, and what we're we're working on benefits a lot of you. But I've had to start asking myself these questions. Has my work become more important than my family? Is it getting in the way of my discipleship to Jesus? Has my work actually helped me love others the way God calls me to love others? Or is it getting in the way of me loving others the way God has called me to love others? Is it distracting me from the people that are right around me? Have I correctly chosen the amount of time I'm putting into this project? Am I using my gifts the way God has created me to use my gifts? How does my time create kingdom value for others. And this is hard, and it takes a lifetime to learn how to take work and money and resources and possessions and time. There's all sorts of things that can get in our way that become an ultimate thing in our lives. There's a story Jesus talks about. It's in Luke chapter 12. I, I love this. Luke chapter 12, if you have your Bibles. It's not in your journal, but Jesus is teaching. And if you'll notice in the Gospels, Jesus has several teachings that are the same. Like he, he would talk about these things, and he'd talk about them in different venues at different times, and he'd come back to the same things. And right before he gets to talking about what we just read, don't worry, life is more than food, body's more than clothes, he's, he's talking to his disciples that are gathered around him. And someone... Verse 13, someone in the crowd, like, raises their hand. They said to him, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. (laughs) I love that. Jesus is just talking. He's just teaching. And they're like, hey, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. And Jesus replies, man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? See, Jesus is not losing sight of his focus. There's a distraction. He says, that's not my job. He says, watch out. He uses this as a teaching moment. Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds, all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. Life does not consist and an abundance of possessions. And then he told him a quick story. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. Awesome. Would like to be that man. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. He said, I got an idea. This is what I'll do. I'll tear down the barns that I already have. And I'll build even bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. Great idea. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grade now laid up for many, many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. Enjoy the American version of retirement. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? Life is fleeting. This is how it will be with those who ever store up things for themselves but are not rich toward God. What are you striving for? Life is fleeting. You are not promised tomorrow. You are not promised two years from now, five years from now, 10 years from now. Jesus is encouraging. He's not saying, don't pursue Money and and have a plan for retirement for your family, that's a loving thing to do. You should do that. But don't fool yourself into thinking that I've got it all nailed down. I've got it all figured out. I don't have to worry because money has provided everything that I need. Possessions, my time, I've got it all figured out. He's saying, watch out, watch out because you just don't know what life is gonna throw at you. And for many of us, we say, that's why I store up money, right? <laughs> Jesus is saying, no, 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 no. That's not it. Don't, don't worry about those things. Don't worry about those things. Do those things, that's great. But don't worry about those things. You see, for many of us, we live from scarcity mindset. I don't have enough. I need more. Life is going to demand and take, and, and, and you just never know. You just always got to have Have money at hand. And God's saying, live from abundance. My abundance. If you live from the abundance of Jesus, then you'll get all these other things as well. David Brooks, a New York Times columnist and author, talks about it this way. Resume virtues versus eulogy virtues. Resume virtues are the skills you bring to the marketplace. They're external. They make you look good on paper. And our society teaches us how to run after these things and and get these things. There's tons of books, tons of articles, tons of resources on creating, not there yet, go back, our resume virtues. Eulogy virtues are harder to come by. They take a deep inner work in our life. And David Brooks actually, now you can go to that quote. He says, we live in a society that encourages us to think about how to have a great career but leaves many of us inarticulate about how to cultivate the inner life. That is searingly true, isn't it? You know, I was at a celebration of life service last week and not a single person talked about this man's professional accomplishments other than he was committed, he loved people in his work. I I heard friends from his work talking about, but they were talking about how kind he was and how generous he was and how welcoming he was. He became a friend of everybody. He became this stoic, incredibly thoughtful human being over the course of his life and you were looking back and it truly was a celebration of who he was nobody was pulling out his resume they were talking about the inner workings of this man who was kind and brave and honest and faithful he cultivated deep love he's caring and generous and joyful don't you want those things what do you want people to say about you What do you want people to say about you? He stored up big big barns and kept it all for himself. Or he used his money and time. He was committed at work. He created, or she created, great friendships. And he was generous. She was generous. She gave when people needed it. She showed up at the door of people that were hurting and needed to be reminded of God's love. My wife reminds me all the time. Because I I struggle with this. I struggle with this. My wife reminds me all the time, it's not how pretty the meal is, it's the fact that we're sitting around the table. It's not about how clean the house is, it's the fact that we're sharing our home with other people. What? eulogy virtues are you building and cultivating in your life? And Jesus says, I have the answer. You can look all over the world for different kind of eulogy virtues, but Jesus says, seek first the kingdom. Walk with me. Spend time with me. I will begin to show you and reveal what that inner life looks like. It's not about accumulating things. It's about cultivating a heart for thankfulness and generosity. It's not about getting pleasure for myself. It's about having a relationship That helps a person flourish and honors God. So, how do we make this shift? Worry versus trust. Worry versus trust is what we're going to talk about as we kind of land the plane here. Worry versus trust. Here's three practices, three things I think we all can work on. Worry that help us move from a place of worry to a place of trust. Number one, practice investing your time and treasures in kingdom investments. Now, it's hard to give money to something. And we sometimes give a little bit when maybe we should be giving more, but a lot of us don't even practice this. We don't even try. And it's, it's not just our money, although we should be investing our money. We should be investing our money. And God's kind of like, hey, watch. Watch what I do when you trust me with your finances. Watch what I do. There's all sorts of promises throughout the Bible. Watch what happens when you just give. It's just a percentage, just a little bit. Watch what happens what I do when you give your treasure to the kingdom investments that are available all around you. But watch what happens when you give your time to serve, great opportunity with foster boxes. Watch what happens to your heart when you practice giving your time and treasures and talents to the things that exist right around you, just watch. Number two, remind yourself often of God's character and his track record. This this is the uh, definition of trust. Trust is the firm belief and the reliability, truth and ability or strength of someone or something. Sometimes we just need to be reminded how much God loves us, how faithful he is. He has shown up in your life. He has walked with you. Have you ever had to worry in the past? And when, you're, when you did worry, was God, did he, God leave you alone? No. No. He's right there. He's walking with you. He's pursuing you. He loves you. And sometimes we just need to get into the Bible and just go to the book of Psalms and just think about how does God love me and just remind ourselves again and again that he uh, just flipped open Psalm 89. I will sing of the Lord's great love forever. My mouth, with my mouth, I will make your faithfulness known through all generations. Just open the book of Psalms and just read about God's character. Remind yourself of how much he loves you and cares for you again and again and again and again. Go back to the worry verse trust. Number three, pray. It's actually a verse that says this. Don't worry about anything, but pray with thanksgiving. Present your requests to God. Pray. He's not surprised, but he wants you to seek him first. A lot of times what we do is we worry first and then turn around and blame God for not being there. No, he says, seek me first. And slowly, that worry that you have about your time, your possessions, your finances, whatever it is, whatever that idol has become in your life, slowly that will begin to dissipate and we'll begin to experience the peacefulness. That's the promise, the peacefulness that transcends all understanding. I'm going to end with this verse. Peter who walked with Jesus, who listened to all these sermons that Jesus preached, listened to all these messages. He says this He says, Humble yourselves. Don't be filled with pride, thinking you can do it. We often get in the place where I can do it. Humble yourselves under the mighty power. Of God, His characteristic is that he is mighty and he is powerful and he can take whatever it is that we're dealing with, whatever we're worried about. He is powerful to take that. And he says, and at the right time, he will lift you up in honor. See, it's about timing. We want now and we want fast and we want when I want it, on my timetable, he says, no, at the right time, he will lift you up in honor. Give all your worries and cares to God. And then this, this line, for he cares about you. He cares about you. You are val- valuable to God. And that's what he says in Matthew 6 as we started. You are valuable to God. Sometimes we, we forget that reality. God cares about what you're walking through. He cares about what you're dealing with. He cares about what you're worried about. He cares about every aspect of your life. He said, I've given you some reminders. I'm going to point out some things. Just in case you start to get off course, how much God loves you. He says, consider the wildflowers that are here today and gone tomorrow. Consider the birds. If you just get outside and you just stand for a few minutes outside or go on a hike, you'll begin to notice all these birds and this noise. Tweet, tweet, tweet. God cares about every single bird that he has created. If he cares about them, and he cares about every single flower, I mean millions and millions of flowers, if he cares about the flowers, and he cares about the birds, and he feeds them, and he provides for them, he cares about you even more. And then he gave one more image, one more symbol to remind us how much he loves loves us. He gave us the cross. It says, I am willing to die because I love you. And whenever you lose sight of that, whenever you find yourself worried, anxious, overwhelmed, feeling like maybe there's, there's something tugging at my heart. Maybe there's an idol that's captured my attention and my heart more than Jesus. Just look at the cross. He staked it in the ground and allowed his son to die on that cross for you and for me. And maybe today, You just need to spend some time reflecting on God's characters of goodness. Maybe you need to light a candle just as a reminder that God is with me. This thing, this worry I've had that's kept coming back. I just need to light a candle to remind myself that God has got it. He is faithful. He loves me. He's got it. Maybe you need to pray with one of our prayer partners at the end of the service, or write a prayer in the back, and just I, I understand it, but I need to move from my head to my heart. God, I need to I need to know in my heart that you love me. Or maybe you just need to worship, just sing a song, and turn your heart and your mind back to the God who cares about you. He loves you as much as He cares about the wildflowers and the birds and everything in all creation. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for being willing to take on our worries. Thank you for being faithful to give us everything we need when we, when we seek you. God, help us seek you. And remind us of the cross, how much you love us, because of your son Jesus dying for us and providing a way for us to be right with you. In your name we pray, amen.